but we're going to go for it um, in my normal style. So, when I heard that we were doing movie month, I was delighted, absolutely delighted, because I am completely movie mad, have been since birth. I'm going to just do a little straw poll, and then if it's, who, ha, who knows what a drive-in is? Yeah, exactly, a what? A drive-in, yeah. There you go, okay, that's enough. So a drive-in, quite simply, is a big screen in the middle of nowhere, normally with a big field, not quite yet. Let's put that off, please. Wait till you prompted. It's all scripted just to give Richard some comfort that I was going to uh, stay with uh, something sensible. <laughs> and I'm obviously standing in the wrong place as well. Right, let's carry on. So a drive-in, a big screen off in an open field where you're literally driving with your car. Uh, you wind down the window, you put in a speaker, and you watch the movie, sitting on your parents' lap, looking over your brother or sister's shoulders, always trying to get a pole position. And when I was about a year old, my parents went to the drive-in every weekend in South Africa. Uh, we were watching a Western, and I jumped up. It was the normal sort of um, herding the cattle uh, scene. I was sitting on my dad's lap, jumped up, and I said, get out the way, you stupid moo cows. And the whole of the drive-in apparently burst out laughing. And that's basically been the pattern for the sort of Curtin Johnson family. We are movie-mad much to my wife's uh, dismay, and luckily I've passed that on to at least one of my sons, Luke. The bad news is that we have, or at least I have, a very low quality threshold when it comes to movies, and that's where the worry comes in, because I will watch just about anything. And then when I had to think about the Word of God um, and look at the films that I'd watched, um, that actually gave me quite a bit of concern trying to figure out how I was going to pick one. So I picked the intern. So who has, who's seen the intern? Lovely. Good, good, good. So some of the uh, references I might make will, um, will make sense, hopefully, to some of you. So firstly, the, the intern has a great cast. We're not going to get to the clip yet, but shortly. Uh, great cast with Robert De Niro, Anne Hathaway, Rene Russo, and young, talented actors like Adam Devine, Zach Perlman from Comedy Central, and a newcomer, Jason Orley. Uh, all beautifully directed by Nancy Myers. Secondly, as I said, it was one of the very few movies of the hundreds that I've watched that I thought I could actually stand up and talk to in church without uh, any um, embarrassment, or at least too much embarrassment. This is a movie about relationships, about friendships, and actually love uh, across generations. This is a movie about authentic and complete relationships that can develop at any time in our lives, no matter what stage of life we are at, and no matter how strong or weak we may feel. This is a movie about the value of experience. This is a movie about being true to yourself. This is a movie about life and about living it full right to the end. It's also a movie, for those of you, about some scruffy interns and some uh, very cool Robert De Niro. Right, so let's show the first clip if we could. Freud said, love and work, work and love. That's all there is. Well, I'm retired and my wife is dead. As you can imagine, that's given me some time on my hands. 
My wife's been gone for three and a half years. I miss her in every way. And retirement, that is an ongoing, relentless effort in creativity. At first, I admit, I enjoyed the novelty of it. Sort of felt like I was playing hooky. I used all the miles I'd saved and traveled the globe. The problem was, no matter where I went, as soon as I got home, the nowhere to be thing hit me like a ton of bricks. I realized the key to this whole deal was to keep moving. Get up, get out of the house, and go somewhere. Anywhere. Come rain or shine, I'm at my Starbucks by 7.15. Excuse me, I have to join you here. How are you? Can't explain it, but it makes me feel part of something. How do I spend the rest of my days? You name it. Golf, books, movies, pinochle, tried yoga, learned to cook, bought some plants, took classes in Mandarin. Zhang Zimwa, Hua, Zhamadao, Jiguala. Translation, believe me, I've tried everything. And then, of course, there are the funerals. So many more than I could imagine. The only traveling I do these days is out to San Diego to visit my son and his family. They're great, I love them to pieces, but to be honest, I think I probably relied on them way more than I should. Don't get me wrong, I'm not an unhappy person. Quite the contrary. I just know there's a hole in my life and I need to fill it. Soon. That's it. No, Which no, brings no, me no. to... Oh, yeah, actually, we'll stop there. Because that's the perfect timing. Thank you. So, tried everything, done everything, but still there was a hole in his life. And we'll come back to that. The other thing that, right, I don't know if you heard it right at the beginning, was is when um, Ben, as he is in the film, or Robert De Niro, is quote, uh, uh, paraphrasing Freud. Love and work, work and love. That is all there is. But God is love. So what Freud is really saying is, God and love, love and God. That is all there is. Not sure that's what he had in mind, but that's certainly one thing that I think we should reflect on. Before we come back to uh, De Niro's uh, key point and how he responds to that, there are two themes that I'd like us to just uh, reflect on over the next 10 minutes or so. The first is, what do movies say about us? What do the movies that we watch say about us? And secondly, who do we turn to for advice and for guidance? And as I said at the beginning, I really struggled with this one, or the, the whole theme, because my movies have always been about the lone, the lone man fighting against multiple bad guys. I was a Western fan. You know, all of Clint Eastwood's Man With No Name, all those ones, then uh, Dirty Harry, uh, yeah, and, and on and on and on. So always bad guys, independent, tough, not needing any help or asking anyone for any help. Inevitably, inevitably getting beaten up, shot at, uh, but always finding a buddy or an ally to help them out when they were down and out and just about to give up. And for me, I think in, in some ways that sort of mirrored my life or certainly my perception of life. A lone guy growing up in South Africa uh, during apartheid, often at odds with the material world around me, uh, often angry with my family and a tight circle of friends as my only allies. The God of the Old Testament and the David of the Psalms that we've just read today, my reference points from a theological point of view. And a lot of that continued through to my adult life, where I swapped South Africa for the UK, swapping the family I was born into for the family that I created, swapping a lifelong desire to work with children, uh, to go into business, 
but still turning to the God of the Old Testament and David of the Psalms in my times of crisis. And for all uh, intents and purposes, a bit like Redford in that, in that regard only, it all worked fine. I tried everything and it was, it was, yeah, all great. Great family, great job, traveled the world, had it all, done it all. Quietly proud also that God had moved so powerfully in my life at multiple times of crisis and confident that he would do so again when I needed him the next time. But ultimately, like Robert De Niro, I had a hole in my life. Uh, But unlike De Niro, I didn't know it. As far as I was concerned, I had all bases covered. God, family, career uh, were all sorted. And it was those three that I've always sort of turned to for uh, advice and guidance. Family, God, and occasionally friends at work. Uh, In those rare instances or moments when I would actually admit that I needed some help. I would turn to my friends on minor matters, turn to my family and best friends on the sort of medium matters. I was trying to put a scale to that, but I gave up. Uh, so just went for medium, large, and, uh, and crisis, and keeping God in reserve for those sort of major nuclear moments and dramas in my life when it all really just blew up. And from the outside, it all seemed fine. I had great friends, close family, that good hotline to God through the Holy Spirit when I really needed it. I was all sorted. But not really. There was one key ingredient missing, and that was Jesus. Jesus was missing from my life. Uh, Jesus, the absence of Jesus was, was my whole. And actually, it, it was quite weird. My dad's a priest. I'd grown up in a uh, Christian family with all of those personal constructs um, that come with living um, and going to church on a weekly basis introduced to Jesus on a weekly basis, but not really knowing him and not really letting him into my life to the extent that I really needed to. And so while I had all of the power and strength of that Old Testament God that I was and still am so very close to, I also had all of his anger and all of his wrath, and I wanted to wreak retribution and havoc on anyone uh, that, um, that wronged me or I thought had wronged me. I had none of the forgiveness, none of the peace, none of the love that comes from and with Jesus. And if that wasn't bad enough, as I got older, fell into many more of the traps of sin that the world sort of presents to us. Uh, And again, without the presence of Jesus in my life, you lose the mechanism to forgive, not only to forgive others, but also to forgive yourselves. And so you descend into this vicious circle. And so that anger and lack of peace that I felt against the world actually turned inwards and became a very real anger and lack of peace uh, within me as well. And that spiritual hole in my life had a very real, real tangible impact on my life and on my relationships. And it's taken me nearly, well, it took me nearly 40 years and a chance conversation with Richard to spot the hole. Uh, And I'm still... So I've spotted it. I'm still working on filling it. Uh, And that is um, work in progress to a large degree. And I've absolutely no idea, uh, obviously, uh, if you have any holes in your life. And if you do, what the nature of those holes are. And that's why I probably just (coughs) 
share what, um, before I actually come to what I was going to say next, I think the reason that I chose The Intern, for those of you who have seen the film, is that it is a story of relationships. It's a story of a relationship between Robert De Niro uh, and Anne Hathaway. It's a story between Robert De Niro and the interns, his fellow interns. It's a story between Robert De Niro and the new love in his life. Uh, and it's a story of um, Anne Hathaway and her husband and her daughter. And so what you've got throughout this film is couples. But it's always a couple. It's always two plus one. Two plus one. Uh, and the reason that I chose it, quite simply, was because of the trinity of the Holy Spirit, Jesus and God. Because what you could see in that film, no matter how successful the two were, they always needed the third. And for me in my life, I had two. I had God and the Holy Spirit, but I was missing Jesus. And I needed that trinity to be complete. And so, as I said, I've, I've, I've no idea. I think some of you, I suspect, have got all aspects of those relationships covered uh, much, much better than, than I have. But if you do have any gaps uh, or any holes in any dimension of that, <clears throat> what I would offer from my own experience is, is this, that within the community of this church, both the clergy and the congregation, you will absolutely find the earthly friendship, guidance, and encouragement that you seek. We have our very own Hathaways, De Niro's, and talented interns. And you can tell your wife that if she was here, I would have said Nicola was Anne Hathaway, just to <laughs> score some extra points. Um, Dennis would have been De Niro, but that he would have been De Niro from The Taxi Driver, for those of you who have seen it with the Mohican hair. Yeah, I knew you would have got that. There you go. There we go. Anyhow. So we are in a great place. The second thing that I would offer is that with the Holy Trinity of God, His Son Jesus, and His Holy Spirit, you will find absolutely everything you need. But you need to seek it out. You need to ask for it. And I would say you need to ask for all of it. If we could just play the next clip, that would be great. Please. So here I am, applying to be one of your interns, because the more I think about this idea, the more tremendous I think it is. I love the idea of having a place I can go every day. I want the connection, the excitement, I want to be challenged, and I guess I might even want to be needed. The tech stuff might take a bit to figure out. I had to call my nine-year-old grandson just to find out what a USB connector was. But I'll get there, eager to learn. Also, I want you to know I've been a company man all my life. I'm loyal, I'm trustworthy, and I'm good in a crisis. And I love that you're right here in Brooklyn. I've lived here all my life, and lately I feel I may not be hip enough to live in Brooklyn. So this could help with that too. I read once musicians don't retire. They stop when there's no more music in them. Well, I still have music in me. Absolutely positive about that. So, just like Ben or Robert De Niro in that clip, why don't we all just say, here I am, and ask for the music of God to play in our lives. And I wrote this prayer 
this morning, actually, as I was uh, finishing these notes. Um, but before I do it, I was debating whether I was going to say this as well. But um, last night, <laughs> it's actually quite funny, um, in an ironic sort of way, I was absolutely livid and very angry with my um, young eldest son, Christian. And I was angry with him because he wanted to spend some time with me, which was fine. Um, but the real reason I was angry was that my, I, couldn't, I couldn't stand. Um, my knee had swollen up, locked up, and I was in incredible pain. And went to bed about nine o'clock, uh, and struggled through through today. And my wife Juliet said, "Are you going to go to church?" And I said, "Yes, I am." And I've been thinking about it, just about all the things and reasons that stop you doing something. Uh, and I came very close. Well, actually, I didn't come close, but I could have called, picked up the phone to Richard and said, "I'm in agony. I can't stand. I can't talk." Um, you're on your own. Just do another pet, uh, prayer tunnel wave. But I did also think that um, part of the relationship that I've had with God all my life is that things happen for a reason. Uh, and I think the pain in my leg uh, and in my head had to be overcome so I could come here today and just spend this time with you, whether it was the prayer or the singing. I needed to be here today. So thank you for listening to me. The important bit, and the only reason I said that, is that the pain is gone. Which is, yeah, quite something. I've never actually, yeah, so who knows? Anyhow, I know it's gone, and it was very sore. So here's the prayer that I wrote this morning at 7 o'clock. And this is my prayer for you and for me. That we may have a complete and authentic daily relationship with the truly holy trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that we may be forgiven for anything that prevents this perfect friendship, that any and all spiritual wounds will be healed, that we may ask for and receive today any element that is missing from this holy relationship. That the holes in our lives will be filled by our Father God, His precious Son Jesus, and His Holy Spirit in the measure that meets our individual need. That we will all humbly turn to God and that we will all be His in turns in serving each other. Amen.